0: for her composition Passing Places. You can find out more about Mary Green's music on our website at marygreen.com or pop on to bonytours.com and follow the link from there. Well, hello and welcome to episode 22 of Passing Places. It's great to be back. I said in episode 21 that I'd be taking a five or six week holiday. They call it a hiatus in podcast land, but... It was a chance to go off to France for two or three weeks and enjoy uh, spending some time with my extended family and I did uh, say that I might manage one or two ad hoc episodes rather than the normal weekly schedule. But if I'm honest, I was enjoying myself too much and podcasting is a a lone hobby. You need plenty of time on your own to get the peace and quiet you, you need and the concentration to do a podcast so... Whilst I did a few recordings in France, and I'll maybe manage to include one or two in this episode, I neither had the time, really, to do the podcast, and I was also concerned that the content wasn't really going to be on topic. So apologies if you were looking out for one of the ad hoc episodes, but uh, I'm back. The main thing is I'm back, and I should be into the normal weekly routine from here on in. Now, if you're new to passing places, I normally start off by saying it's my personal diary about my travels around Scotland, mainly by motorhome, but I also do a bit of motorcycling, and I'm thinking about getting back into cycling, and I do a little bit of hill walking. So, I maybe I should start off with a, a very quick run through uh, where I've been and what I've been up to without. Uh, boring you because it is largely off topic. So my original plan was to basically just drive down to Dover, maybe with an overnight stop and head over to France a week ahead of my brother and his family and my sister and her husband and my parents who are all going to be in France the following week for my brother's 50th uh, birthday. But it was lovely weather in England, if you remember, going back to the sort of second week in July, so we stayed a few nights in, around, quite near Kielder Reservoir, and on a pleasant uh, campsite. I think we stayed three nights, and then we just basically headed down the A1, and I picked sites on the way down, within 20 minutes or 30 minutes of the motorway. As we were leaving the sort of Scottish border, Northumberland area, we dropped into the Roman fort at Chesters and I'd certainly recommend that if you have any interest in the history around Hadrian's Wall and the uh, arrival and the occupation during the Roman Empire. Really good uh, artefacts they have in the little museum there and the layout of the fort, the barracks and the sleeping quarters are all still there as well as the, the Roman bathhouse. It's a uh, Quite amazing that after a couple of thousand years, these ruins are in very, very good condition. So that was the, the one sort of trip we did while we were in Northumberland. And then we headed down, um, I think we spent a night somewhere around um, York, which was pretty uneventful. And then moved down into Derbyshire and the highlight there was the National Tram Museum. Certainly recommend a, a visit to the National Tram Museum. They have a quite a large site, including a I think maybe a mile or so of track, and they have a whole range of working trams that they rotate, so you can try your uh, getting on a tram and uh, stopping off at one or two of the stations and going for a good walk in the woods, and they have all the usual um, facilities there—cafes and ice cream—and so that was actually surprisingly really enjoyable. So we headed down to the Oxfordshire area. I was looking for a site with a swimming pool. My daughter loves to swim. And if you're holidaying with children, you, you can imagine how important it is to find them things to do. So we ended up on a really nice site and spent, I think, three three days there and then headed off for the ferry to Dover. So we we're really only a day behind. My sister and brother-in-law who were coming over and I found a, a nice little site. Uh, not far from Cali, and we caught up with them on the following day. We then enjoyed, uh, I think, two weeks in France, and my brother uh, had booked two different Jeets so we dropped into both locations, and, and the second week we ended up staying for three or four nights. with both fans parked outside the farmhouse they were staying in, so plenty of barbecues and beers and some fantastic... Uh, starlit nights while we were there, so it was very unusual for me because normally when I go to France I I do a lot of travelling, but it was really a family holiday and a time to just enjoy each other's company, so not a lot to report for the podcast and very much off topic. I think the thing that is on topic for me is just uh, comparing France to UK and perhaps in particular to Scotland. And France is just so geared up for um, motorhomes and camper vans and camping in general. So so different from the the UK. As you travel along, almost every town and village has signposts, which will direct you to what they call these airs, sites, where motorhomes are can kind have of parking and there's facilities for fresh water and for emptying your grey waste, and oftener,s even places to empty your um, chemical toilet, as well as electrical hookup. And also there's a fantastic number of campsites. So France is really geared up for motorhomes. And that's so different from if you're travelling, as we did, down through England and return the same way, where, as you know, if you pull off the M6 or the M1, you're faced with uh, absolutely almost chock-a-block car parks with CCTV and signs everywhere telling you that it's two hours free parking and then it's a case of your registration number will be recorded and then you must get in touch by text to book your um, parking which is for 24 hours and it's just such a just a different, different experience from being in France. And also when you're in France, I mean, you probably you might be aware of this already, but France is a really large country. It's four times the size of England, twice the size of the UK, and it's also the most popular tourist destination in the world and has been, I think, ever since they started recording these statistics. I think it's heading for almost 90 million tourist uh, visitors from across the world each year, which is significantly more than the population of France. And yet, if you have listened to my previous episode, you'll know I like to avoid the crowds and get away from the hustle and bustle, and nothing I like better than quiet country roads and little empty villages and things. And I've been to France, I think, three out of the last four years, and France for me is just almost an empty country, and I find it really difficult to get my head around the statistics. the reason I say that is because when I normally tour in France I have a sat-nav with me and I know I'm roughly going say south and I normally program program into the sat-nav, avoid motorways avoid the payage or the tolls and the sat-nav will take me down all sorts of country roads and country lanes and through villages and it's amazing there's such a, a vast infrastructure of roads in France that Within five minutes, you've lost the traffic completely, and whilst it takes hours and hours to get anywhere, the real joy is to travel for me rather than to arrive. So, I missed my touring in France this year, but as I say, it was more a family holiday. And when I came back, I'd, I'd hoped to maybe put a podcast out uh, last week, but I was almost over from the experience in France, and you, I get this uh, feeling every year I come back that it's almost a hangover, that you're coming home. It reminds me of when I worked, it was almost like you're going back to work. And as you travel through England and head up into Scotland, you can feel the, the change in the weather, the bite in the air and the breeze and sometimes the rain. It's a, it's almost a depressing homecoming. So it's taken me a, almost a week or so to get back into the the mode for podcasting to get back in the saddle and start again so hopefully we're off on a regular weekly schedule again. So just to finish on France, apart from the wonderful fresh bread from the boulangerie every morning, the lovely weather, the fact that you can escape from the crowds and that you can enjoy the whole excitement and fun of being in a country where they speak a different language and so many things are subtly different in terms of the culture. There's, there's one thing that always sticks my mind and it's a, an experience that you can get in France in a way that you rarely get in Scotland and that's a really good thunder and lightning storm and we were on a campsite in place, I think Port-on-Besson which is in Normandy, it's just a few miles from Omaha Beach where the Americans landed during D-Day and a fantastic thunder and lightning storm came over. And I know some people will get a little bit uh, apprehensive or frightened about thunder and lightning, but I just can't get enough of it. So I sat outside the van, probably for about an hour or so, and we had the most fantastic experience. It's just one of these, almost the wonders of the world for me, where the the force of nature, um, the sounds, and I'll just, let's have a little listen to thunder and lightning and... Port on Besson and Bessin, it'll remind you of what a decent thunder and lightning storms really like.
1: Well I'm on a lovely campsite at a small place called Port on Besson which is in Normandy just uh, a couple of miles from the Omaha Beach landings and we've had a funny day today. We were sitting out with Factor 30 sunscreen on on today and now we're in the middle of a thunderstorm we've had some fantastic lightning strikes and really big loud thunder and it's now torrential rain and the plan for this evening is to have a barbecue so i'm just hoping that the thunderstorm will pass it's been quite uh, exciting in terms of the sounds but we're sitting in a nearby just uh, 10 yards from the barn was a, a fishing lake and I'm just wondering if the, if the water is going to rise because it's only a, a metre below the level of the grass so I wonder if flooding is a possibility if this torrential rain continues for any length of time so I'm just going to see what happens and I think I'm going to have a barbecue later today Thunder. It's a great mix of weather when I mean, you're sitting in the hot sunshine and it's humid and then you see the clouds coming in and the, the thunder lightning starts so you immediately get the cold fresh air rushes in and you get quite a stiff breeze and, and the thunderstorm finally passes over the whole air will be much fresher and less humid than it was earlier on today, so I'm just hoping it'll pass soon. No sign of any blue sky just now, but it's quite exciting.
0: We get so much rain in Scotland, I just wish some of it would come in the form of a good storm rather than continuous drizzle. And persistent showers. So that was the thunder, lightning in Port and Besson. But on the way down through Kong, which is a town or city on the way down, the, we went through another storm on the, whilst we were in the van. And that was really spectacular. You could see the thunder and clouds ahead of us. And as we got nearer the, the city, the heavens opened up. And the rain was unbelievable and the roads turned into rivers, and lightning cracked a, snapped a tree just up the motorway from us, and it crashed onto the slip road, and cars were getting flooded, and I could hear all this banging. Suddenly, started in the back of the van, and I, I couldn't work out what it was initially. But within a few seconds, we were in a, a really heavy hailstorm with hailstones the size of peas smashing into the van. It was. I think my daughter was getting quite, she was getting quite uh, frightened actually, but we drove over the main bridge in the city and it's quite a, a slope up and down and it was like driving up a, a river with a, the just the water running down towards us. The traffic was almost at a walking pace and then as you went over the summit of the bridge, the, the river started to flow in the same direction as the traffic, so... It's just amazing that uh, you come out the other side and 15 minutes later you think it was a different day because you're back into sunshine and there's a completely different experience. So, Thunder and lightning, I can't get enough of it. A really, really interesting experience to go through thunder and lightning. There's almost a sense of danger, sense of anarchy, but equally you know that the chances of anything uh, going wrong in terms of being struck by lightning are pretty slim so it's not that uh, dangerous as such it just has that sense of tension and when i was sitting on the campsite you could you could see the the the, the sunlight disappearing the buds going quiet the rain started as a bit of a uh, light shower and then just you know ramped up from there just just really really uh, exciting and then after the thunderstorm finally clears you you get that uh, nice freshness in the air. Quite a bit of the humidity disappears immediately after the, the thunderstorm. So that was uh, thunderstorms, and uh, finally, finally, we we did go to the American cemetery at uh, just above Omaha, Omaha Beach. And I have a fascination with the Second World War and the chaos of war and what these political leaders on all sides were up to. During the period between the two world wars and why so many people had to die during that period it was a an absolute tragedy and you get a real sense of that if you visit the memorial at the Omaha Beach Cemetery because it's a uh, you just feel it in terms of the atmosphere and there's so much information and audiovisual uh, presentations that you get a real sense of the the chaos that is war and the cost of war in terms of human life
2: it appears today as it always has a landscape of tranquility but in june 1944 on this narrow coastline the future of freedom and democracy of the stake. The outcome would depend on the confidence, courage, and sacrifice of thousands of embattled men struggling to seize it. Gene Sellers was a star on his high school football and basketball teams and received a scholarship from the University of Arkansas. Before the end of his first year, he left to enlist in the Army. Gene was 21 years old in June 1944. the world had been at war for nearly five years. Vinic had already died. But on that gray, somber morning, along a narrow front line 120 kilometers long, hundreds of thousands of frightened men would face each other between two worlds, freedom and oppression. Locked together in conflict. In the early hours of 6 June, as a pathfinder guiding the invasion forces, Gene Sellers leapt into brutal combat. Normal Carter was 32 years of age. He's after landing at Omaha Beach. Norville would find himself in the surrounding hedgerows near a small Norman town called Salo. Second Lieutenant Walter Pera from Ceres, California patrolled the skies over the Normandy battlefield, flying cover for the advancing Allied army, protecting the infantry and armored columns from Hitler's Panzer that threatened them. Walter loved to fly. He is most comfortable in the cockpit of his aircraft. He is a born flyer. Walter's P-38 flying low over the small village of Lake Corvey on 15 June 1944, was hit by intense anti-aircraft fire. Walter's father wrote of his son. Spiritually, we feel that he is as close to us, buried in France, as if he was buried here. We are consoled to some extent in knowing he is buried in soil he flew over and helped to win back. Captain Carter also died doing what he cared about most, saving lives. By a small forest near Saint-Lo, he ventured out from the safety of a foxhole to save a wounded G.I. In doing so, he was shot and killed by a German sniper. The soldier he saved lived, eventually returned home. Dean Sellers was one of the first Americans killed on D-Day. He died at a small crossroads near the village of saint cote du moon while trying to land and set up beacons for the 101st Airborne Paratroopers. He never managed to get out of his parachute. It's hard to imagine that this is the final resting place of more than 9,000 young lives. Lives that ended in battles that raged on this beautiful countryside.
0: To visit Normandy, I think the opportunities are there to visit various sites and get a sense of what the Second World War was like for people on all sides, whether it was the French eh, people locally or whether it was the invasion from the Germans and the rescue or the end of the war, eh, towards the end of the war when the Allies finally arrived and mainland Europe. So let's get back to Scotland and what we're going to be doing on the podcast from here going forward. So that was France and uh, I really would like to live in France at some point in the future. I may have to wait another few years but uh, I can't get enough of France. But on the way back through England it took me something like 30 hours to get back home And I wouldn't recommend it, but I stopped every few hours at the service stations and grabbed an hour's sleep. And that just probably made me eh, more confused and tired by the time I got to the Central Belt. It was a, I think it was a Friday early evening. And once I dropped my daughter off, I immediately headed for Loch side instead of coming back to Bricks and Mortar. And the reason I did that was it dawned on me as I drove off that I'd... Spent three weeks with my daughter and two weeks with uh, extended family. And normally I spend a lot of time on my own. And it was just great to get into a, a little camp, not a campsite, it was a, a lay-by on Loch side, and uh, get out and enjoy the fresh air and just have a sense that I was back in Scotland. And I ended up staying there for two nights. And one of the things I wanted to mention was, you try to be as anonymous as possible and find a, a parking space where you'll be unobtrusive and unnoticed. And this particular spot I use is is one of those places where I can just tuck myself in and uh, enjoy the peace and quiet. But the reality of going to France most years for at least, you know, two or three weeks, often for four or five, is that I tend to miss the, the busy July and August period in Scotland. And... I certainly wouldn't put you off coming to Scotland during that time. It's the time that most people have their holidays, and if you have family, you want things for the, the kids to do, and places to go, and events to get involved in, so it's the best time of year in terms of everything's happening in Scotland. It's geared up for tourists during July and August. But for me, I prefer to avoid those busy points in the calendar, so I'm sitting in my little lay-by, and... I just I got this I must have been listening to a podcast or something, I never noticed, but I suddenly got the sense of somebody almost nearby and I I just looked out the back window and there was a car had parked a yard behind my van, literally right up behind my van. And there was a couple in the in their car. And I sometimes forget when people are on holiday they're they're probably used to parking in supermarkets and, you know, people behave in funny ways in vehicles, but if if i had arrived in the, the the place second, then I would have driven on because, as I say, you, you get used to putting quite a bit of distance between yourself and anybody else, but it was sort of a, a shock. Your motorhome, as well as being a vehicle, the, the home part, you got a sense of your own space, and it's not quite your your front and back garden, but... It was almost an intrusion that somebody would park next to me. And I know people who have motorhomes talk about this on a regular basis, that they'll pull into a, a place, even in France, maybe an Airs site, and there's maybe half a dozen parking bays, and somebody will come in and park right next to them. It's just a, it's unrealistic or unfair of me to expect people to almost respect my privacy of them parking in a public place, but it was such a shock. And they must have sat there for a couple of hours. And I felt really uncomfortable. I was almost about to to move and then they took off. And the following day, a motorhome arrived and there's another parking space maybe 50 yards further on. And as they came in, like me, they they saw I was there and they they travelled on a bit and they parked up in this second sort of uh, space. And later on that day, a minibus, one of these luxury minibuses, mini tours turned up with another people carrier behind. And one squeezed in in front of the motorhome and the other part right in behind it. And everybody clambered out to take photographs. <laughs> this poor family in their motorhome were surrounded by tourists. And then they opened up the back of the people carrier and they started to have what looked like a, a, a late breakfast. And they had all sorts of things in there, bananas, and uh, it looked like um, breakfast. They were having cereal and all sorts of things. And it just struck me as bizarre. I just found it really bizarre. And yet, it's probably... I'm getting so used to uh, being in my own or in more remote areas. But it's just funny how people uh, who are maybe more used to just public places think nothing of parking next to somebody else. And I could see the the relief on the people's faces because they came out of the motorhome after this party had finally moved on, and I think they, they they almost looked up and down the road to think, is that going to happen again? So that's just a wee insight into how we think if we're out and about in our motorhomes or camper vans. We like to space ourselves out in the way that you would do. I remember as a kid on the, the train the used to commute in the local electric uh, trains, and I could never figure out when I was about 12, 13, why the train had three seats on one side of the, the corridor and two on the other I used to think it was imbalanced but as you watched the commuters coming onto the train they always always spaced themselves out and I'm sure you would still do that in a train if you come on you'd look for empty seats you wouldn't immediately go in and sit next to the one person on the train So, it's funny how people in vehicles behave differently but anyway, I digress <music> I finally bit the bullet and uh, put the van back into storage and came home to face the the junk mail and the bills on the doorstep, and began to think, well, where do I go next? And one of the things I was really keen to catch up with was with the Perseids uh, meteor shower, which peaks in August, and I ended up staying at the flat because I couldn't get a fix on clear skies anywhere in Scotland. It was one of these weeks where the weather was continually changing, so... I was out most nights to see if I could catch the, the meteor showers coming in, and it wasn't as spectacular as I'd hoped, but uh, maybe one or two shooting stars every couple of minutes. So that wasn't uh, that wasn't great. But one of the things that did surprise me was just the other day there, I was, must have been in the back, around about 11 o'clock in the evening, and I realised that the International Space Station was coming over, and you probably know in previous episodes i always on the lookout for it and it was supposed to be a really good display so I just wandered around to the local park which is a two minute walk and right on time the star appeared to the west and began to move across the sky and I've seen the space station a number of times but I've never seen such a good display as that night. It came right overhead and the It was so bright, the brightest thing in the the sky, by a long, long margin. And as it came overhead, the, the sunlight glinting off the space station, it made one of these stars with the vertical line right down and a horizontal line across. It was quite spooky in some ways. If you could imagine the space station flying over a couple of thousand years ago, it would have really have freaked people out. So it was really really good. So that's my little bit of stargazing out the way and I'm sitting here, it's a Friday and I'm back on my weekly schedule and I'm off probably tomorrow or Sunday. I'd hope to go over to Argyll and enjoy some sunsets and looking at the weather, I don't think that's going to happen. We're looking at a week of unsettled weather in Scotland so I'm more likely to head east over to the east coast where I think the weather will be uh, certainly drier. So that's the plan. I'm picking my daughter up. Her school holidays are still on. She's got another week or so. So we're going to go over to the east coast. Uh, Might be Sunday and we'll spend five or six days over there and we'll see how we got on. So today's episode is to confirm that I haven't gone away, I'm back, and we'll get back into this weekly schedule. I'll get off somewhere this week, probably as I say, East Coast, and I'll be podcasting again next Friday. So I did notice, obviously my uh, downloads were gradually going down over the last five or six weeks, but I did look at my website and the comments have just stopped and I'm slightly worried that maybe the protection I've got to avoid spammers... Is maybe cutting out other comments as well, so if you would like to make a comment on the website, that would be really helpful, and if it doesn't appear, maybe get back to me. I would like to thank all of you who have been using the Amazon affiliate links. There are still people who are going on to Bonnie Tours and following through from the links to Amazon to make their purchases and the podcast benefits from a small commission. And before I went on holiday, I set up a I suppose it's an Amazon shop, so there are a number of um, sections in the shop that you can uh, browse through. But you can also basically buy anything from Amazon from there or go straight to the Amazon main main website and buy products from there. So if you uh, would like to consider supporting the podcast, that's the, the main way for supporting it in financial terms. It's just small amounts of money, but it goes some way towards paying the hosting fees best way you can support the podcast for me is to leave me an iTunes review if you haven't done so. Uh, It really does help the podcast in terms of its exposure and makes it more likely for people to find it in iTunes and for the podcast to then be available to more people. So if you could find it within yourself to leave me an iTunes review if you haven't already done so, that would be great. And also the Speakpipe voicemail, I keep mentioning, it's a On my website, if you go on to thebonitours.com, down the left-hand side of the screen, you'll see a a little uh, voicemail button. And you can click on that if you're on a PC or a laptop and leave me a voicemail. Whether it's feedback about the podcast or ideas for further episodes or just say hello, it would be great to hear from people. I think the five or six-week break has actually, with hindsight, been a bad idea. It's knocked me off my routine. And it's left people wondering whether the podcast has faded and gone away. So so it's going to take a few weeks to rebuild the momentum and the sense of community and the discussion again. So I hope you're still there. And if you're a regular listener, then I really do appreciate your patience over the last month or so. And if you're new to Passing Places, please introduce yourself online or through Facebook or Twitter or leave me a message. And uh, we'll take it from there. So... I say, more content, more outside um, recordings, that's the definite uh, for going forward. I do need to overcome my hesitation in using the audio recorder when I'm out and about. It's almost like, well, what could I record here? And it's funny how just day-to-day sounds work well when you do record them. But sometimes I feel awkward as well. If there's anybody around, it looks a bit silly. Or it feels awkward when you pull out this audio recorder and the little uh, wind shields on the top make this thing look really silly. It looks like a Mickey Mouse with these two ears on the top. But I, I think I really do need to do more um, external recording and get them into the podcast. So watch out for that the weeks ahead. So next week I'll get back into shout-outs. I've got a number of people who have been in touch over the intervening period about their own holidays and I hope hope you've had a chance to have a break yourself, and if you haven't, that you've got one coming up. And we'll maybe cover some of the, the feedback from listeners in next week's episode. So in the meantime, stay safe and uh, thank you for listening. I'll play you out with Myra Green's composition, Passing Places. Thanks.